Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, hello everybody and welcome to Charlton Live, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. My name is Louis Mendes. I hope you guys are all well on this week's show. We'll be looking back at yesterday's uh, fantastic comeback uh, against Blackpool as we fought back from two down to salvage uh, a 2-2 draw with two goals in the space of three minutes inside the final ten. Uh, it really was an exciting end to the game at the Valley yesterday. Joining me. Uh, to discuss that, first up, a man who's finally back from his honeymoon that took him all over at South America. Tom Wallin, how are you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm good. I was enjoying uh, Rio, and then Michael Appleton came in, and I thought, well, right, I'd better get back and, and see what this new manager's about. So, uh, yeah. yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. Yeah, not, not a bad game to come back on as well, to be fair. Yeah, it's been all right. Unbeaten, aren't we, since I left, I think. So, uh, yeah, luckily yeah. I haven't come back and cursed us yet. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure it will come. Uh, also, uh, bottom of the screen, there a man who's uh, dressed way too fancy for an episode of Charlton Live is uh, Mr. Joe Puddyford. How you doing, Joe? You, you're suited and booted, mate. Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, uh, fortunately, I have to go out after this um, and be sociable. So uh, I thought I'd uh, thought I'd dress up for the for everybody else as well. Hopefully, uh, don't get too many more digs, but you know, we'll see what happens. I need Charlton to yeah, do a formal shirt, and then I. Yeah, excellent, excellent stuff. Right, we will hear the highlights of the game shortly. We're also going to hear, of course, uh, from Mickey Appleton. Uh, we want to hear from you guys as well. Morning to everybody in the chat. All hell uh, let loose is in there. Chris Davin, Keith, Sam, Alex, uh, WCAN, 76 Rufus, uh, Paul Davenport, Alex. Oh, there's loads of people in there already. Michael and Dudley uh, as well. So, yeah, make sure you give us your views on yesterday's uh, game. Let us know uh, what you enjoyed about the performance, what you didn't enjoy. Uh, so much. Uh, anything you want to tell you on yesterday's game, uh, give us a little comment uh, in the live chat. We've also got a guest fan uh, joining us later on, uh, Clive Richardson, um, who many of you may remember from the old Charlton chat shows back in the day. Th- those of you who've been listening to Charlton-related broadcasts slightly longer, and uh, some others will uh, will know Clive well. Um, yeah, we're going to speak to him. He's be- he was there yesterday, and uh, yeah, we've arranged to have a good chat. Um, before we hear the highlights, Tom, Really interested to know what you made of it yesterday. Obviously, so your your last game before you went away was the Fleetwood game under under Piercy, just after Dean Holden had been sacked. This was your first chance to see a Mickey Apple's side. What did you make of it? What did you make of the game? Yeah, yeah. So I saw X two on Tuesday as well. So I've seen two in in quick succession, and um, I think again this is probably going to sound silly but luckily joe said it first the the feeling i had when i came away from that tuesday night wasn't i wasn't buzzing i wasn't buzzing about the performance obviously we've won a game 4-1 so i'm not going to be too disappointed but i was kind of like the performance there is not dissimilar it's just we took our chances uh, and on another day uh that red card doesn't happen and maybe they sneak back in the game because they still had chances towards the end so 
left on Tuesday, obviously happy with the win, but, you know, not dancing off the walls. And then yesterday, I thought the performance was a lot, lot better. Um, I thought we started better. I wouldn't say we started brilliantly, but we really took the game to them and, and largely dominated. And yet at half time we were one nil down. And I was like, okay, all right. Um, but I thought second half, the, the, the sort of penetration in the final third was a lot better. I thought um, even when we went 2-0 down, and I think a couple of this said this on the chat, it felt like even at 2-0 down, I still felt like we'd get something from it. I thought at 1-0, when, when we were attacking in that second half, I was like, we're going to win this game comfortably. It's going to be another of those comebacks. And when they scored their second, I was like, okay, maybe the win's gone now, but I'm still pretty sure we're going to draw this game because we were so dominant. And then... I almost left again slightly disappointed at the end with the fact that we hadn't won it. But I think um, what was nice yesterday, and I think I said this on, on Twitter, is it's the first game in a while that I've had where they've actually got my heart racing. They've actually got me invested in the game and wanting something from it. Because whether this sounds snobbish or not, it's hard to feel that sometimes in League One because I just want to get out of this league and, and it's hard to get up for these games. But yesterday I was fully invested in it, fully behind them. And they gave us a performance in that second half where... I was like, OK, I'm looking forward to coming back for the Reading game in a couple of weeks now and seeing what we can do. So, yeah, look, we're unbeaten since he came in, um, which is obviously encouraging. I think tactically we're starting to improve and the way he talks about tactical adjustments during the game is is something Dean maybe lacked. Um, so, yeah, encouraging signs, I think, given the start we had. Mm, excellent stuff. Right, well, we will talk more about the performance uh, in a few moments' time, but let's have a listen uh, back to the goals on Charlton TV. Your commentators were Terry Smith and Greg Stubbley. This time it's husband with the ball in the box. Jordan Rose with the chance, and Jordan Rose with the goal. Blackpool's first chance of the game equals a goal. The Attic switching off. And got away with one when Hamilton couldn't quite cross it. But that time it was husband on the left-hand side. His ball inside, and you can't give... Jordan Rose chances like that and Blackpool take the lead after 33 minutes well, you mentioned there switching off it started a lot earlier than that with that chance from or the cross from Hamilton back out onto the left hand side this time nobody spots the run of Jordan Rose who has done that all his Lucas Nesser is a good header up in the air but Hector has been robbed by Dembele he's in the area Dembele and he scores and once again defensive frailties cost Charlton when we've been on the Front foot, been in the ascendancy. Gift the ball to the visiting side, and Dembele pounces, and Blackpool are 2 0 up. For all chances, chances again, it's just a, a mistake. It's Hector gets caught in possession, Dembele with that fresh legs. You see here, there's a long ball forward. Ness does well to win the header. Dobson down to Hector, he has to get out of his feet. Immediately, Dembele's quick. Hector thought about fouling him, decided against it. It's a good finish from the substitute. Comes through it again. The Simway does well to win the ball back off of Albion Morgan, sends it into the channel, asking Aniko to pursue it. That's a lovely touch by Tutsuniko, they take it past Kosi. He's isolated a little bit. Mace trying to make it up in the penalty area. Can he find him? Alfie May! Gets one back for Joan. Made by Tutsuniko. Finished by Alfie May, the Addicts back in this. That's absolutely brilliant from Chuksanike. That is superb. That's a ball down the line. It's a good, clever ball from a Simway down the line. But Nike not only gets there first, he also is patient. He waits for May. It's a brilliant run from May from deep. 
and I had this feeling, Tell, that Charlton would get back in this game. That from Anike. The desire to get there first. Brings this forward in space. He could go for goal. He sees May making that run. That's a lovely ball forward. That's not an easy finish either for May because it bounces up awkwardly. He has to watch to Dobson. Dobson out to Therese Campbell in the centre circle. Campbell with three players alongside him and ahead of him. Blackett Taylor making a run. Dobson making his way into the box as well. Blackett Taylor thinks about a shot. Oh! What a finish from Blackett Taylor! That's outstanding! Lovely football from Charlton. That started by Michael Hector. He's redeemed himself from that mistake that led to Blackpool's second goal. And Blackett Taylor on the left-hand side after Charlton run at the Blackpool defence. Back on his right, lifting the ball past Grimshaw. Therese Campbell bringing it forward. Had three options. Blackett Taylor on the left. Cuts inside from the edge of the box. Unstoppable. What a strike. What an absolute blinding strike from Corey Blackett-Taylor. Lovely run from Tyrese Campbell. Blackpool retreating, retreating, but allowed Blackett-Taylor to cut inside onto his right foot. A man with confidence. And that's a hell of a finish. There we go. That's the highlights from Charlton TV yesterday. Great comms from the boys, as always. Uh, Joe, I mean, it was... I, I, I put on Twitter yesterday, like, that that game absolutely sums up what we're all about. Like, we we, we have exciting players going forward. And, and now, obviously, more more so than, than last year, the depth to change things off the bench. You know, Chucks and EK is a cheat code, as uh, as uh, all hell let loose put in the chat uh, a bit further up. But defensively, we let ourselves down. I mean, that that's sort of... That's sort of been what's blighted us to an extent last year as well. You know, we we, we score goals, we concede goals. But this, this year, it, um, it's certainly, ho- hopefully it's not going to go even more to the extremes. But we're certainly scoring goals, it feels like. Um, but defensively, we've let ourselves down a little bit. And, that, and that's cost us. And that's what cost us last season as well. Yeah, I, I said, actually not long before they scored, a couple of people around me yesterday said that um, they, they felt that we were on top. And it was just a matter of time, uh, although we hadn't actually created a lot, which was what I said. And I said, it feels like Tuesday. It feels like this is going to go up the other end, score out of nothing. And then we're going to have to fight our way back again. And I think that's the that that's the problem. The one thing I will say about the first goal is is I, I do think that they that, that was a good goal. Um, and it wasn't one of our, our rickets, but we're still... We've got that frailty at the back. I don't see us getting too many clean sheets before the end of the season. So it's going to be really, really important that those attacking players continue to score goals if we're going to go anywhere um, at all this year. But when I think we need, I think we either need a new defence or we need to work on the mentality. And there was, a, I mean, Hector was responsible for the second goal, but case in point, an identical run to Tuesday night and a bloke gets through one-on-one again with the long ball over the top where we just don't pick up those runners. And if we're not willing to do that, then that's going to be a, just a constant source of pain because people are going to be like, we're just running behind and we'll chip it over the top and you'll be in acres of space. So I, I was pleased when Ness came on. I think that he was a really strong, we were putting a really strong performance yesterday. And, and I know Hector's distribution is, is good, um, and probably is the reason he's in the team, to be fair, over necessarily, for me, his, his defensive work. But I'd like to see Jones and Ness with uh, Watson and Eden when he's eventually back. And I think that is a defensive unit 
will probably ship less goals than, than the unit we've got now because we're just too prone to switching off. And I think there's there's a couple of culprits that are case in point in there. Um, Thomas did mm. it a couple of times, but Hector's really bad at switching off when when he's not directly marking the man on the ball. Yeah, I mean, we, we can talk, or we, we will talk about Hector in a bit because obviously the, the, the big mistake came from him. Uh, do ask Michael about his, his overall performance as well. But Paul's saying, I can see why we're trying to get all three forwards in the team, but I don't think Tedic on the wing uh, is working. If we are to proceed, I'd put Lieburn back out there and try Tedic uh, in, in the centre. So the reason I picked that up is because I was just watching back the goals um, just before we came on, trying to see who, who lost the run for the, the first goal because, you know, the, the, the howler for the second goal is one of those headline-grabbing mistakes, which we, we do make way too often. But probably equally as concerning for me is the fact that we had had, you know, as Joe said, I, I agree, I thought it was very similar to the first half on Tuesday, a, a, a first 45 where we were in control of the ball without quite creating anything or, or anything serious and they they just had to wait for the one moment where we do fall asleep, Tom, and this time actually it was Tedic, he was in that wide role and you know, we spoke to Miles a few weeks ago about the tracking back, you have to do that, so Tedic was the one actually that let husband get beyond him, because I, I initially thought it must have been um, Tanae Watson's guy, but having watched it back, actually, Tedich was the one who started tracking husband and then just let him go. Um, so I, I guess that plays a part in it. Like if we are playing these sort of wide forwards in this this four two three one, if you will, they they need to understand that part of the game as well. So it, it, it's a it's a tough one for for Michael to decide exactly who can who can fulfil that role. It's funny, isn't it? Because we spent we spent two months of the season moaning that we didn't have enough forwards. And then on Tuesday night, when the lineup came out, I was like, why is he picking all these forwards? And and all of them have got quality as well. And uh, so, yeah, a bit like you've just said there, I see, and, and Paul said, I see why he's trying to do it, because we've got a lot of quality in attack now. And I think Tedic in the sort of early part of his career, uh, Charlton has, has looked like a bit of a handful. But we, and we've mentioned it, I think Joe, has mentioned it as well, square pegs in round holes uh, as a Charlton team. That's what we tend to do. And that's what it felt like. The other the other problem with doing it like we did at the start of yesterday as opposed to Tuesday is I, I just don't like Miles up there on his own, really. If it is this sort of 4-2-3-1, if that's a, or 4-3-3 or whatever we're going to call it, Miles just looked completely isolated. I've just seen a couple of, uh, of people on the chat saying he looked a bit flat and disinterested. I think he just... It's very difficult because when Chucks comes on, you see how good Chucks is. But Miles Lieburn is a good footballer. He's proven that last season. I just don't think he works as a, as a one. He needs somebody alongside him. And Tedic, you could see the difference Tyrese made. Tyrese has come in for a little bit of criticism, hasn't started the season brilliantly. But when he came on, completely changed it on that right-hand side as well. So, yeah, I think it's... It's about Michael Appleton working out who fits best where. I don't think Tedich on the, on the wide has worked, and I don't think Lieburn centrally on his own has worked either. So, but at the same time, they're two quality players that he wants to get in. Um, and EK, as Joe said, uh, uh, is a cheat code. It, you know, he's uh, he's somebody that is just going to dominate when he comes on. But the question remains: How long is that going to happen for? So. There's still a lot of questions to be answered in that front line. And arguably, going back to Hector and the defence, we're having to score two goals a game if we want to get a win at the moment. And so I see why he's doing it, but I just don't think he's quite found it yet. But it's still early days. We are scoring goals, may still scoring from that deeper position. So there's a lot of positives there. But um, yeah, Tedic on the right, not quite working for me. Yeah, W can say morning, addicts. A birthday treat that was yesterday. What a comeback. Uh, massive reset. Well, I hope you enjoyed your birthday. Uh, 76 Rufus said it was another good, uh, another game saved by Chooks. 
the game changer in Iki. I mean, the, 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 the momentum shift when he came on was, was not only like ridiculous, but it was also immediate. It was the second he was on that pitch, all of those, that, that, that slightly frustrating style of play we'd had so far where we'd seen a lot of the ball but weren't quite opening up the space was immediately changed. It was absolutely insane. I mean, Chucks is a great player, but even by his extremely high standards, Joe, that was an, an incredible performance from him yesterday. I mean, he, gets you, he just gets your heart racing and gets you off your seat. Um, I mean, if, if half of that is attributed to just a fear that he's going to pull up at any point and we'd made all of our substitutions. So when he went for that, uh, for his assist, when he went for that ball and they both went for it, I was like, oh my God, please, please. So you've got that, but it's, it's his strength. He's so, so strong. He seems to just carry centre-halves around in his back pocket for fun. And I don't, I don't know what it is about somebody that's that big and that strong, but he's still got a touch and he's a bumbly style as well. That Aribo was the same. You know, you you kick the ball back at him and somehow he comes away with it and you don't really understand how he gets through. But he's going to be massive for us this season if he can stay fit. I don't know when the last time he would have made three appearances in a row would have been for us, but but if he genuinely has got the right side of these, these problems that he's been having with his fitness and they found a way to get him back to to the Anike that we had when he first came and he was able to stay fit for, for a period of time, then that's going to be a, a huge, huge uh, sort of trick and ace up our sleeve. I still, for me, I still think he's better off the bench than, than when he starts because he's just got half an hour to give you absolutely everything rather than having to give you a little bit for 60 minutes. But uh, when, when he finally starts getting hold of shots properly as opposed to putting them in the north upper or scuffing them harmlessly wide he is just gonna go on a run and I think that him and him and uh, May together we could be talking some serious numbers of goals over the course of a season mm, yeah this is uh, the structure of this show is gonna be really weird because we are literally jumping from negative to positive to negative to positive um you know and big positives as well but you know big negatives unfortunately and and, and heck again yesterday Tom you know I've I still reiterate, there was a lot he got away with last season that I don't think fans picked up on as much because they weren't the headline-grabbing howlers that we've seen, you know, from, from your Ryan Innes' last season or, you know, everyone's had a go at it at some point, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, even when he felt like he was having a bit of a better game yesterday, um, it's, it's another moment. Um, I don't know I don't know how that stops now. Like, when, when you're Michael Hector, is that... Is that is, even if you're playing well and, and having a better game, you, that just underlines your performance, unfortunately. And you, know, I felt, you, you said you felt sorry for him a little bit because he was having a better game. But it's, at some point, that, that, has, that has to stop. And, and presumably, it's before you turn 30 years old or, or however old he is now. Yeah, and it's, it's not a confidence thing, is it? Because he's still prepared to take the ball. He's still prepared to move the ball around. It, it doesn't look like he's panicking. But almost at that point, you almost wanted him to panic and just just hoof it long. Uh, this is a an experienced defender. This is the guy that we thought would do the the Jones role, I guess, in terms of leading that back four. Because I think you guys said it a lot in the in the weeks that I was away, and I agree with it that he's been one of the standout players in that in that back line. Uh, maybe not a, a great accolade to have when the back line's performed as it has, but he's certainly been one of the better players. But we continue to not be able to find a partner for him and. Uh, yeah, Michael Hector yesterday had an OK game uh, up until that mistake. And after that mistake, again, the, he still made a couple of good, strong challenges. 
but you can't then give away a goal as simply as you have if you're going to do all that other stuff because it kind of, as you said, makes that other stuff almost irrelevant. I think why I felt sorry for him is there was, and I said it to you, I know you said you didn't hear it from from the, the press box, smattering of booze for a few touches after, um, which I didn't like. It, it was very small sample size and it did go quickly because he put a good tackle in at one point. Um, and then he just genuinely looked gutted at the end as well. Um, but ultimately, this is a professional footballer. You know, I'm not going to feel too sorry for him. They're well paid. He's doing a job that he's done for a long time and he needs to be better than this. And uh, he's got a couple of weeks out now. I don't know if he's been called up for international duty or not, but he's, he's definitely, Joe's nodding. So if he has, that's a chance to, you know, do something different. It's obviously still football, but it's in a different environment with a different set of players. Maybe he can just get his head back in check there because I think that's probably better than just sitting around and waiting for the next game. But um, I think there is a chance that that him and Jones could work. Um, I thought, like Joe, I thought Ness looked okay when he came on as well. So, yeah, I, just, I feel sorry for him because, you know, he's not. it's not like he's doing it on purpose. But as I say, at the same time, he's a professional footballer and, and we need to win games. And arguably, he's cost us, potentially cost us a victory there. So... Yeah, it, it, with my just pure chart on head on, we, we need to get that sorted. And uh, and he needs to take responsibility for that, which, as I say, with the apology at the end, I think he did. But um, yeah, we're just doing this too many times, aren't we? We've done it for too many seasons. And now it, already this season, we're doing it just too many times, just throwing silly points away. And already at this stage in the season, I know you did the graph on uh, on Thursday. It means we're playing catch up already, which is, um, yeah, fr- really frustrating. Yeah, Sam saying, I felt our defence really let us down yesterday. Apart from that, we looked very sharp up front. The subs that we made uh, were very good as well. Now, Chris uh, is one of many people who've talking about Alfie May uh, in the chat. Says, it seems like May has been at Charlton for years, not just joined this season. A real fan favourite cult hero works. He's nuts off for 90 minutes and he's a goal scorer. So in my takeaways today, I've sort of tried to highlight the fact that, so we are, with the formation we have, we are playing a lot of strikers in in slightly differing roles and Alfie finds himself in this slightly deeper 10 role um but of, of all the players we, we are playing if you want to call it out of position you can but you know in a different role I'd, I'd probably call it Alfie is the one I've actually decided I'm least worried about because don't matter where he's playing he's everywhere he is absolutely everywhere he's on the wing at one point he's back on the edge of his own defense at, at some points helping out if he has to be but no matter how often he's run wide or run 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 a channel or whatever, he's still in between the posts when he needs to be. I mean, he is an unbelievable goal scorer. Um, and the, the ground he had to cover just to catch up with Chooks and EK for that first goal back yesterday, Joe, it shows what he's all about. Seven goals already this season. I mean, he has proved to be a fantastic signing already. Yeah, and and I mean that the run for the goal is is brilliant just the desire he he is not accepting that anybody else is going to get get into that opportunity or get that opportunity other than him he's so determined but his game intelligence i think is is why he's so valuable uh, you know when when you're hitting long balls up there was one yesterday where he was never ever going to win it he just dropped six or seven yards off the center back and the center back nodded it straight to him thank you very much off he goes and he's passing is he's got a good range on him he's finding little little spaces to pick up the ball and move it on. And I think that that will only build and grow as, as he does in that role. And he still does find goals. And if you're going to, if you're going to win anything or get anywhere over the course of a season, one of the key things you're going to need is goals from, from midfield. So if you're playing a striker, who's going to get you goals in that position, then that, that is obviously going to really help. The one thing that I do think across the whole, 
of that front four, if, if you want to call it that, is that the three of them, we, we are just lacking a little bit more creativity. Um, and, and I do think that, that the striker out wide for me is, is an experiment that has failed. And I would like to see one of the Campbells get, get that wide right berth, um, regardless of who plays up front, actually. I don't, I'm, I'm not that emotionally attached whether Tedic or Lee Burn or an EK starts, uh, but just to give May a little bit more space and a bit more foil, because I think that having someone else that's a bit more tricky that can create will free him up to almost run in behind and, and use some of his pace and his work rate for the attacking game a little bit more. So I was actually calling for it before it was done that, that we could have a 4-2-2-2 and then May dropping off in that hole in defence just because of his work rate. But he's he's an unreal signing. He scored six more goals than his previous club in the league this season. So that shows you just how important he he is um, and was to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cheltenham got their first goal yesterday. God bless them. Um, fair play to them. Um, we should say... Uh, I mean, two minutes later, and it was Michael Hector that started this move. You know, we 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 slag, we, we, we give him criticism when when necessary, but he was he, he made a good challenge to to start this move. But I mean, obviously, the the the, the, the star of the show, Corey Blackett Taylor's goal. It's one of those rare goals that look good. Like so, I I feel, I feel like I found over the years that goals that look good in the stadium sometimes don't look as good on TV, and I'm always disappointed when I get home and watch it. Like, I felt better in the stadium. This one. Looked good in the stadium, but on TV, it somehow looks even better. Like, this was an unbelievable strike from Corey Blackett-Taylor. And again, like, I think I was saying this every week at the moment about Corey. I don't think I would have expected him to have scored that goal maybe a year ago. Like, an absolute pinger from outside the box. So, do you remember that run he had at Portsmouth a couple of years ago and his shot from outside the area wasn't quite quite right? He's just adding something to his game. But, I mean, it, it was it was a moment, you know, similar to Ipswich 4-4 last season. It was a proper moment that was at the Valley limbs all over the shop, like coming back from two down in the space of three minutes inside the final 10 minutes of games. That was a proper, that was a proper enjoyable sort of few seconds at the Valley yesterday. And that's what it's all about for me. I love, love it when the Valley's like that, Tom. And that's what I mean about them just getting me back into it. Even, you know, on, uh, on Tuesday, I was kind of like, okay, we've, we've won four, one, fine. I kind of expect that we, they were down to 10 men. But this game, the crowd was already up and then he cuts inside. And like you, I'm like, surely he's not going to. And he just unleashes it into the top of the net. And and I completely agree with you. I watched the highlights back this morning and I was like, oh, I don't remember it looking as good as that because it looked even better on telly. So, yeah. And, and at that point, and that's why I said at the start, I was slightly disappointed with the draw in the end because at that point I was like, we're going to score about eight the way we're going now, the way the crowd were. What I loved was when they were celebrating, George Dobson runs over to them. Someone mentioned it on our chat as well, but you see that in the highlights. Goes and just grabs them all. He's like, stop celebrating. Come on, we've got to go and get a third. And that you could see that they thought they were going to go on and win the game as well. Um, And Blackpool probably did slightly well to slow it down. They obviously had the chance at the end, which could have killed it as well. But um, yeah, just a fantastic goal. And, you know, we've probably mentioned him every single week and rightly so, because he is the standout player in this team at the moment. Alfie May is obviously running him close. I know he had a little bit of a slow start, but for me, what Corey is doing on this pitch, I don't know many players in this division that could do that. I think Lewis maybe mentioned it on Thursday's show as well. I don't think there's anybody quicker, anybody who can take men on like he can. And like you, we I can't remember if we said it at the back end of last season, but it certainly wasn't a guarantee that he stayed because he wasn't consistent enough. Um, and then he had that opening game at Leighton Orient where he must have beaten his man about 150 times 
we're like, okay, if we can see this, you know, seven, eight games out of 10, then we've got a bit of a player here now. And I think he's done it every single week that I can recall. So, uh, yeah, brilliant for him. He's clearly flying. He's clearly high on confidence. He's in a position that he's clearly comfortable in. And, uh, yeah, I think when um, when he has Eden behind him as well, then he's got a bit more defensive support because I think Terrell Thomas still looks a little bit exposed there. Maybe he even has to do slightly less of the defensive work. But, uh, yeah, just every game, he's just getting better and better and better. And it's just a joy to watch. But, uh as I say, yeah, just as a collective, I thought they were going to go on and win the game. So there's a little tinge of disappointment there. But as a strike, just probably uh, probably the best we've seen so far this season, I would argue. Yeah, certainly certainly up there. Yeah, well, we can debate that later. Um, there's still loads to talk about from yesterday's game. There's loads in the chat. There's a couple of points I want to make about uh, people involved yesterday. But I think we should hear from uh, Mickey Apple soon. We've got Clive Richardson in the waiting room as well. He's going to join us later on as our guest fan this week. Uh, talk a little bit about yesterday's game and also tell us a, a bit about Charlton Chat, the uh, the old addicts uh, radio show. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that later on. But let's hear from Mr. Mickey Apples now. Uh, he came to speak to me uh, after yesterday's 2-2 draw with his former side, Blackpool. Great comeback, really entertaining game. I guess if it went on another five minutes, you felt you might have gone on and won that. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think even before, even before we scored in the game, um, I thought we created a lot of chances in that second half uh, once we come out of the blocks quicker. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a game that I felt we had two sides, one side really wanting to win the game and the other one had moments in the game and I knew that would be the case because they're really well organised and set up to let the opposition have the ball and try and hit them on the counter-attack and, and, and that's what they certainly did for the first one a little bit. But um, really happy with the response the players show and like I say, we created lots and lots and lots of chances in the game and listen you know they had a few chances as well as the two goals they got but that came from always having to take risks um, and push forward. And your side have shown some characters since you come I don't know if you're aware of the stats from before you came in Charlton didn't come from behind very often but they've, they've done that quite a lot recently what do you think has been the difference? Yeah well I mean certainly we don't want to get get used to doing that you know mm-hmm. but um, I think the one thing I did say when I come in is to try and hopefully improve the mentality and the um, you know, the sort of never, day, never say die spirit and, you know, willing to sort of push and, and prod and go all the way to the end. And um, we certainly did that today and we needed it. And the fans were unbelievable. You know, even at 2-0, obviously, it was a little bit of an error, but these things happen. Um, I think they'd seen in the team or they've seen enough in the team at the minute that they're giving absolutely everything. And we're going to have errors and we're... We're going to make mistakes and we're going to concede goals at times because we're still growing as a group. But um, I think I think you've seen enough certainly today and uh, on Tuesday to suggest that you know they're, they're willing to have a right goal. Yeah, I mean Charlton going forward have been pretty good for the last few years, but it has been those mistakes at the back. Obviously, we've seen senior defenders unfortunately make those. How can you iron those moments out? Uh, I, well, I think it's one of them where they iron them themselves out. Certainly from an individual point of view. Obviously, X is a you know superb. Uh, professional, I thought his performance was excellent on the day. He obviously had that one error. He made two really, really <coughs> important tackles after that error. So obviously, clearly, he cleared his mind pretty quickly. I try and use the phrase, you know, you've got to have a goldfish moments in games. So if you make a mistake, he's got to get it out of your system quickly. And he did that, and he was great. Um, and like I say, that they them type of things they iron themselves out. You know, the first one we can deal with better as a group. We we can be defend it much better as a unit and obviously we'll look at those things but um, you know I think 
I think it be it's easy for me to try and sort of touch on what we don't do particularly well. But the reality is when we've got a group like we are, you've got to be really, really careful and not stepping away from what you're really good at. So it's just getting that balance in between. When you've got someone like Chooks and EK on the bench, you can make the, the difference he, he did today. I mean, that, even for Chooks, that was a really good performance. Yeah, well, he's in a really good place. I, I can't sort of tell you he's in a really, really good place. I think I've got a good relationship with Chooks. We speak all the time. Um, we had a good chat on Thursday um, about, you know, whether it was from the bench or starting. Obviously, you know, he's got a bit of a history with his injuries. I want him to be fit all season, so I've got to get the best out of him. And by doing that, I have to trust him and, and know when it's right for him and for us uh, to start him. You know, he, um, you could tell he was bang up for it when he come off the bench. There's no doubt about it. And listen, we've got a game to the negate on, on Tuesday, which is important to me because I want to win games and keep winning games and keep momentum. Um, and then a little bit of a break, so... Gives me a little bit of a dilemma for the Reading game, and, and it's a, it's a one that every manager and coach up and up and down the country is delighted with. It's one that won't be a dilemma. Is obviously Corey is absolutely flying at the moment, but you're talking about having trust in the players. You have to have trust in yourself at that time in the game to know you've got the quality to go for goal from range like that. Yeah, absolutely. And like again, I'm going to bore people with it, but the biggest thing for me with Corey in the second half was running running without the ball. Didn't do it in the first half. He was coming to feet as we were all, and we were almost enjoying playing in front of Blackpool. Uh, whereas in the second half, we were constantly threatening behind and looking to get in behind him. And Corey did that as well as as well as uh, as most. But then, you know, what that tends to happen is when they look and they're worried about you running in behind, they drop a little bit deeper, and obviously they just kept dropping deeper and deeper into the box, which obviously allowed his opportunity. Obviously, that second half performance and the fact that it's another game unbeaten keeps that momentum going forward. I guess it's almost frustrating that in terms of league, you've got an international break coming up now. Yeah, a little bit, but sometimes it's one of them as well where, you know, we have got a few players uh, with knocks uh, and, and a couple of, you know, slight strains and stuff. Lloyd-Jones today played. He's not. He's not. He's been ill for three days. Um, and that's why it was touch and go before the game, whether we'd start the game or not. Um, we did most of the prep. The last two days with, with Lucas uh, in the team, but I just felt where Lloydie is at this moment time, mentally uh, and physically, um, as long as I got the green light from him, I was happy for him to play. Yeah, um, Gabriel Brennan was here today, one of the new owners. Obviously, Trump fans haven't had a chance mm. to hear much from him yet. Have you spoken with him while he's been over? Yeah, I spoke to him, uh, when was it? It was last week at some point, maybe Thursday last week, maybe Friday last week, uh, before we played Shrewsbury. I had, had about half an hour before training. Just getting to know each other a little bit, a little bit more. Obviously, I'm aware of his background, and he clearly done his sort of due diligence, like you'd expect, because obviously, you know, um, a lot of the, the the football side in terms of the interviews and stuff like that was with the likes of Andy and and, and the likes. So uh, it was good. It was good. I had a really good chat, really positive chat. Um, and listen, if we can do anything similar to what he did with one of his sides in the States in terms of where he took them and where you know he ended up leaving them, then uh, I think every Charlton fan will be really happy. Yeah, I'm guessing you won't be dealing with him a, a great deal. He's going to be more hands-off in, the, in this club. Yeah, I mean, that's why there's obviously the, the board that, that there is in terms of you know Andy and, and Simon, Charlie and, and Jim, etc. and Ed. Um, they would be more my 
sort of line managers, so to speak, and go to, and I'll be dealing with them on a regular basis. Yeah, uh, just finally, um, obviously, as you mentioned, Aston Villa coming up on Tuesday, then so probably a change side that is normal for, mm. for this competition. Yeah. But I mean, you mentioned yourself, it's one that. That means a lot to you. Well, it does because I've lost in the final twice, yeah. so yeah. I want to put that right at some point. Um, and I've also lost in, on penalties in the semi-final. So um, you know, I, I look at that competition and people disrespect it at times and stuff. But it is an opportunity to win a trophy. It's pr- arguably one of the one of the only competitions in the country where every single team that enters it can win it. You know, and that that's my attitude towards it. So yeah, we'll give it our best shot. Hopefully, we can win the game, stay in the competition and um, it's great for, for people who need minutes as well. Yeah. Was it sweeter that it was, that it was Blackpool? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why was that sweeter? Because you've you been there twice, the fans were... Yeah, I, I think I get a little bit of a, um, what's the word, um, hard rep or bad rep. I think if people dug a little bit deeper, um, I, think I, get a little bit, I think I get a little bit more respect. Yeah. Because the fans were having a go at you and you sort of cupped your ear when you... When you yeah, a bit of banner, innit? Yeah. Bit of banner. It's good. It's good for the game. Thinking about a new kitchen or bathroom? Find professional, independent local installers with free home surveys, itemised quotes and protected payments, trading standards approved contracts and workmanship warranties. The British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom, Bathroom Installations accredits installers to ensure they are police-checked fully insured and experienced. Take the risk out of home improvement. Visit bikbbi.org.uk. Hello, fellow addicts. I'm so excited to tell you all about our micropub, The River Owl House. The River Owl House is based in East Greenwich. It has six pub of the year awards, an ever-changing selection of amazing beer. It's owned by Charlton fans, walkable to the ground in just 20 minutes with buses that go direct to the Valley too. If your matchday routine includes a drink with your friends, you must join your fellow addicts in the river. See you soon. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. Just before the adverts there, we heard from the Addicts boss, uh, Mickey Appleton, uh, after yesterday's 2-2 draw against his former side, um, I, I I just clipped the bit just to add it in about the banter with the away fans. So I completely missed this, but apparently he was cupping his ears at the away fans <laughs> when we got back to 2-2, uh, which Dean uh, said he enjoyed. Uh, he said they were very colourful. Um, well, and we, we heard why, which was, yeah, made me laugh. A um, couple of things we haven't mentioned from yesterday's game. Um, 
defensive mistakes ironing themselves out. That's what Michael said, Tom. Um, I mean, they're still pretty crinkly at the moment, unfortunately. We need to we need to get a steam iron or something because it, they haven't ironed themselves out just yet. No, and as I say, at the moment we're having to score a minimum of two goals just to win a game, um, and that's the difference at the moment between us and that that top six. We're still we're still a little way off it. Um, I know we're we're much improved. We're unbeaten since. August, aren't we? I think now. Um, so there are positives. There's lots of positives, um, and I think we've spoken about a lot of them. I think the defence is improving. Um, obviously, we got the clean sheet away at Shrewsbury. I think when we were away, um, we obviously had that one big error on Tuesday night, but after that, we were relatively solid. Um, and as we said, that first goal yesterday was. I know there were things we can pick up on the, the movement of roads in the middle, etc. Was pretty decent, and so one mistake yesterday so that's still not acceptable for a team that want to get out of this division you can't be coming onto a show on a Sunday and going well we only made one mistake but at least it's less than we had during August and the early parts of the season so um we're getting there we're getting there Apples hasn't had too long in the job he's obviously got another long period on the training ground like he would I can't remember exactly when he came in but obviously it was an international break so this is probably the longest period he'll have with a lot of the players sadly not with Michael Hector because he'll be away but he can work with some of them. He can, obviously, people like Chuck's got a chance to, to recover. So, yeah, I think coming into the Reading game, I'm not sure we're, you know, Derby aren't flying by any stretch. They're not They're not blowing teams away every week. But I feel like that Derby game maybe would have come a bit too quick for us at the moment. But with that aside, I think he's got a bit of time to work on some things, settle into this this four two three one sort of formation that he seems to be playing. And, um yeah, I, I think largely we, we've got to be positive, right? Because we, we are unbeaten in a little while and we're starting to turn the corner. Still a long way to go. But um, yeah, there are there are green shoots there for, for sure. Mm, yeah, Derby off next week, as Tom mentioned there. Um, so all hell let loose asking if we're going to do a show next week. We won't. We'll have a week off uh, for the international break. Uh, as we as we always do. McSquared on email said, uh, six games unbeaten after our woeful start is a massive positive uh, in spite of the defensive frailties that are costing us far too many points. Uh, we should have been dead and buried before Super Sub Chuck saved us uh, from a disaster. Um, he's an attacking force. Uh, uh, as a team, we now look capable of causing, causing any side in League One problems with Corey Alfie. Chuck's all looking particularly potent. Um, all in all, based on overall chances, a draw is probably fair. Uh, so at least a point wasn't less than we deserved uh, on the day. Um, Joe, we haven't mentioned. So on, uh, we we were really lucky to be joined by Tom Main from uh, the It's Not Orange Pod uh, on Thursday. Our Blackpool correspondent, obviously, uh, Lewis asked him just for an update on how um, Albie's been getting on. Um, I mean, Albie came on at two 0 yesterday, and within six minutes or so, it was two <laughs> two. Gave away the ball at one point in in the lead up to one of our goals. I think it was the first one. Um, Albie was Albie yesterday, wasn't he? Albie's always going to be Albie. That's what Albie does. Yeah, and, and I did put in our group uh, that it's nice to see Albie making a difference for Charlton at long last because uh, he came on and, and we were rejuvenated. But it's going always going to be a challenge. I, they they were they were they were going to struggle. They were always going to struggle when we brought the guns on that we did off the bench. And and the atmosphere I think was changed more by the change we made than than Albie himself. But it was it was nice to see it's nice to see him back. Um, he's he's a player that I wasn't too sad to see go. Um, and if you think that of the quality that we've got in our midfield now, I don't think he would get on the bench. So I'm pleased he's somewhere playing some football. But uh, I, as far 
as horrible as it sounds, I hope we don't play don't hope playing playing next season. I hope the club can go on and go up the leagues and and get to a better level than than I think Albi Albi will will get to. But for all, all these players that do come back, I think it does show really how far we've come in a, in in one window. Uh, because if we were picking Albi and if he was part of that eighteen, I, I don't think it would be as strong. Uh, so it's, I'm hoping that when Claire comes down, we have a similar feeling. We look. At <laughs> I was just about to say that. I was uh, just about to say all we need is Claire to gift us a goal by falling asleep at the far post, and the, the circle will have been complete. Um, did you see his uh, assist in the week? Yeah, for Burton. <laughs> yeah, just great. Just on the edge of his box, just laid it off to their midfielder to tuck in the top corner. So if he does yeah. that, then um, he'll finally be in my good books. So he wasn't when he was here. Nah, like and like. This is what we talk about when we say we need to up our levels. We're not saying these players are bad people or, you know, are trying to play badly, but we we have to be at a certain level and too many of our players over the last few seasons weren't at that level. I absolutely agree with Chris saying decent reception for Albie from the Valley fans. That's fully what he deserved. Like There was a couple who booed when he came on. I thought that was ridiculous because it's not like he was a shirker or didn't try. Um, but you know, it's, it's just levels that we got to talk about. But yeah, no, I, I couldn't understand why anyone booed him. I couldn't understand why anyone booed Stockley a few weeks ago, like just because they weren't quite the level we wanted them to be by the end of their time with us. Although Albie arguably got better towards the end of his time, you know, it didn't, didn't mean they didn't try. I didn't see the point in that. But but anyway, um, finally, before we bring in our guest fan, uh, Gabriel Brennan was there yesterday. Um, I, I, it sounds like he was there Tuesday as well. I don't know if he went to Shrewsbury. Um, I asked Michael about the conversation he's had with him. The only thing I didn't really understand was he, he said, you know, we've got to talk about how, you know, if we can agree what he did, if we can recreate what he did with his American team. Well, I looked up his results with Houston last night. They weren't great. Like they, they finished in the bottom four of the Western division pretty much every season he was there. Crowds were dwindling from the time he took over to by the time he left. So unless I've missed something there, um, you know, he didn't have a great time out, out there, but um yeah, he's not going to play a big role as uh, as uh, Mickey Apples uh, confirmed. There, he 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 will report to his line managers, which include the likes of Andy Scott and Charlie Mevan. Um, his line managers, you know, they're, they're his line managers. They're, they're obviously quite heavily involved in the club um, as his line managers. So, yeah, what did you make of Gabriel being there yesterday? Oh, good, good, he came to watch it at least. Yeah, I don't think. Uh... Yeah, uh, similar to you, really. I don't think it, how much of a difference it makes if he's not going to have that much kind of interaction in the day-to-day running of the club. I think uh, Andy Scott so far has done all right. Uh, you know, um, I think it's a pretty small sample size, but he's done okay. Mevin, for all he said about kind of working in the background once the deal was done, seems to be a, a bit more involved than perhaps you were expecting. Um, and I know fans will have, have different views on that. Um, based on on his reputation and, and things he's done in the past, but um, yeah, I, look, I think it's nice that if they get the chance and they're over, however many hundreds of American investors are in this consortium, that that they come along and, and show that they're interested. Um, but apart from that, I think that let the problem with the owners we've had in recent years is is owners who don't know enough about football getting too far involved. I think what we've seen in the early stages of this consortium seems to be that they're letting people uh, who are more knowledgeable about football or involved in football, depending on the names that you're looking at, um, sort of stick to that and and kind of being relatively silent. So yeah, show an interest for sure. But 
you know, if he was radioing down to Michael and telling him to bring certain <laughs> players on, unless he was telling him to bring Chucks on, in which case it's a stroke say, of genius. But he's uh, done really well if he was. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, look, it's it's good that he wants to be involved, but just don't get too involved. And that seems to be roughly what they're they're sort of talking about, which I think is a good balance. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Uh, I think it's guest fan time. We've left Clive waiting in the waiting room for way too long. Uh, let's bring him onto the screen now. Uh, Clive Richardson is uh, this week's guest fan. Clive, how are you doing? Good to see you. Okay, good morning. Thanks for asking me aboard. It was very, uh, um, yes, positive for step yesterday. And uh, as the football was, uh, I've heard you guys discussing and analysing yesterday's, I think we all saw the same thing. Uh, I was reporting back to Maritime Radio at half time and was told we'd had, I think, 65% possession in the first half. And I said to Tim, it's not going to have been 65% possession of it's passing amongst your backs four. Uh, it looks good on the stats, but it doesn't actually create anything impact-wise up top, which it certainly didn't. And I agree with what Tom said. I think uh, uh, Tedic has wasted out on the right wing. The formations probably will uh, iron themselves out at some point, but Alfie's certainly relishing the number 10 role. Um, and a good draw could have been a good win. That shot from Aniki into the top tier in the, of the uh, covered end had gone anywhere near the goal. We'd have all been very ecstatic. But as it was, uh, I drove Kevin Nolan home uh, last evening because his normal chauffeur wasn't there. And as Kevin said to me, if your first goal is not, an, if, you, if you don't score first, your first goal is then an equaliser rather than a leading goal. And the whole psychology of being one behind is a huge albatross around the neck of any football team. Uh, we've got the wherewithal to actually come to terms with that as we did yesterday. But wouldn't it be nice to be in the lead rather than coming from behind? Yeah, so I was going to ask you actually, Clive. So I looked up the stats about about coming from behind yesterday. So we've already taken eight points from losing positions this season. In each of the last two, we'd only taken six. Uh, we've been right at the bottom of the table in terms of coming from behind. Obviously, you can try and say, oh, maybe maybe we haven't been behind that much. I can guarantee you that we have. Um, so what what <laughs> what do you think is different this year? Because I mean, obviously, when when you see that, you tend to lean towards oh, the lads have got some character, and I think they've certainly shown that this year. But I guess that's also an indication of what we do have on the bench. You know, Chuck's coming on yesterday. We were able to bring on Lee Byrne in midweek. That does show the depth we have in that attacking sense. Yes, there's an impact there, isn't there? As Apple said yesterday afternoon, I mean, his attitude in the press conference that we've just seen, I was happy enough to be part of that. Uh, he's very positive character, different personalities to, to what Dean was, uh, but he sees the game in a different way. Uh, what does and concern me yesterday, as it did on Tuesday, when a very similar thing happened, we looked very, very comfortable in the first half, the first half hour. But comfortable doesn't win matches. Uh, and as we saw on Tuesday, we let a sloppy goal in. Yesterday, we let a sloppy goal in with the first goal. Um, and even worse, with Big Heck making that awful error later on. I mean, you've got two behind. It's a mountain to climb. Uh, the mental attitudes are good, as you mentioned just now. Seeing Dobbo go and get the ball from Corey after the, the, the first goal winning, or the second goal winning. Uh, we've got that attitude amongst certain players. I didn't think Corey had the best of games in the first half yesterday. He's, he, one or two touches didn't quite work for him, but he picked it up second half, which is, again, the make, marking of a good player. If you've had a, a bad five or ten minutes, a bit like me on the tennis court, you, know, you then go out and, and actually win a couple of points. Think, yes, it's a confidence thing. And as with all sports, confidence is as much part of the game as technique. And you've got to mm. have a balance of the, of the two. 
and uh, fortunately yesterday it, it, it worked out as it did on Tuesday it worked out very very well yesterday it worked out well enough and say the RB Morgan factor came on yesterday was another uh, factor I was a bit disappointed here a couple of booze I quite liked RB I thought he had a lot of character as you just said Louis perhaps he was a couple of peds short of what we actually needed even last year when he was here um, but it's always nice to see uh, our ex-players coming on, as we do frequently across the whole league. So many ex-addicts coming on various teams and uh, doing their bit. Uh, shows we've got a, a thriving academy, as we know, and probably will be uh, brought out on certainly tomorrow and on, on Tuesday evening with the under-21s uh, against uh, the, the under-21s. So yeah. the academy coming through is building a whole uh, youthful pattern of emerging players. Now, um, I spoke to you a couple of home games ago and, and obviously on, on yesterday as well, just talking about why I really wanted to, to get you on the show. Now, uh, quite a few of, uh, of our listeners in the, in the chat have said oh, it's great to see you back. Chris has, has mentioned that. Alan uh, as well uh, as, as Paul. Um, so uh, over the last couple of months, uh, Suthers has been releasing some old Cholton chat shows. So I listened to one uh, with uh, with Mike Flanagan, who was at the time obviously a legendary Charlton striker. At the time, was uh, the assistant to Lenny Lawrence, um, and, and it was quite a controversial show because he came he came on your on your show, spoke about how he slightly disagreed with the tactics that the manager had played the day before, and immediately got sacked. So I, I listened to that and I thought this was absolutely fascinating, not only to hear that specific story, but also listening back to how. You know how, how broadcasting was done regards Cholton and, and, a, and a fan-led show uh, back in the day. So t- tell us a little bit about Cholton Chat. When did it start? How did it broadcast? Um, and and, and what, what sort of big stories did you have back in the day? Well, it was a, a combination of circumstances led partly by fate. Um, I was broadcasting on RTM radio then with an R&B show, as I do now on Soda and on Maritime Radio. Uh, and we used to finish on air at eight on a Sunday evening, and the station closed down at that point. Uh, Trump were playing at Sellers at the time, and we were in the Glazers bar before a game. Uh, this would be about 89, I suppose, thereabouts. And uh, I said that Steve was obviously in the role of commercial manager there, which is how I got on board helping in the radio room uh, when uh, John Fuller was doing the radio room work then, all those years ago. So we were chatting before the match in the bar, and I said to Southers, well, uh, uh, the spare time on RTM, any any interest in doing a, a Charlton-related show on there? He said, yes, please. So I spoke to Patrick Rodden, who was a station manager at RTM then, and said, we've got a potential for a, a football show on a Sunday evening after my R&B show. What's the deal? He said, go for it. So we did. And as we all know, Southers is not a man to, to turn down and go for it <laughs> request. And go for it, we did. And in his role, um, I think we had almost the entire playing staff on, certainly the entire management staff and several historic players, uh, the Arthur Horsefields and people going back even further than that. Uh, Derek Afton, uh, Martin Simons, Richard Murray came on, uh, Parksy as well. Uh, so we had everybody who was anybody at Charlton coming in there and the phone lines open as well. And uh, Vic from Charlton, a regular caller, Vic, <laughs> Mr O'Connor is still in the Charlton fold now with the lovely Sylvia. And uh, um, that's just how it all began. And, and Steve had the way, as we know in radio, uh, Louis and guys, of being able to connect with persons and be able to have a chemistry with, with the interviewee, be able to get the talk comfortably as a conversation rather than as a Q&A thing. 
and conversations yeah. work better even in the music content i find having a conversation with a musician is better than doing the q a because q a is a very flat in context but a conversation opens things up more as you did with mike flanagan on that that evening and the rest as i say is history and as mike found out to his cost uh, but it made good radio as did the show with charlie rice and the two or three charity shows we did with carl howman with uh, Cheryl Baker, we had anybody who was anybody in the world of media on the show at that time. It rained for, I think, probably a couple of years on RTM, primarily on cable, then on, on uh, whatever frequency, 102.6, I think it was on FM for a short while as well. Yeah, you, I mean, you used to hear great stories about people, because obviously it would only be available in a certain range from, from, from where it was broadcast. So you used to hear great stories about people driving up to Shooter's Hill and Holding the, the area out the window and stuff so they can listen yes, to it. It became like that, a real a real event, didn't it? On a, was it a Sunday night you broadcast? It's a Sunday night, yes, eight to yeah. ten on a Sunday evening with me doing mainly, mainly Steve obviously took all the football related stuff. I was linking with music as I've done historically for forty years on radio. Uh yes, I'm that old. Um but it, it kind of worked and the telephones I had a, a um a front thing what telecaster, not the not the guitar, but a uh, a six-line switchboard on my desk so when I could take calls off air and then put them through when Steve was ready for them and it, it worked a treat and it taught me a lot about live radio at the time being you know tech op as well and present co-presenting the show and uh, it certainly built a reputation now Suthers has got all the stuff that he managed to record things on cassette these days of course all radio stuff is recorded on the master reel anyway but in those days Steve would record it on cassette at home or wherever and now he's found these cassettes and built the website and uh, uh, with Dan and uh, the whole thing now is available for, for global consumption. Yeah, James is saying that we should make Clive a regular. I could listen to him all day. And as you said, though, I mean, those old episodes are available to listen uh, back to. Suthers has, has put a handful of them up on, on, on Apple Podcasts and on all, all the usual places. I mean, if you had to recommend one of the ones that is available, I mean, obviously I went, I went for the Flanagan one because it caused such a a stir at the time but there any other ones you, you suggest that our, our listeners should, should go and check out I, I think the charlie wright one was good because charlie wright as we all know was a great character as a goalkeeper and as one who had a good uh, discourse with the fans behind the goal at that time and charlie was, at that time he had a cafe in Greenwich. i'm not sure what happened to the aftermath of that but certainly uh, charlie was a good bubbly character footballers aren't always good talkers as we know they're not paid to talk they're paid to use their feet uh but the, you, you get the occasional thing. The other one was uh, uh, Peter Shirtley was another one who came in and was Shirts was a great conversationalist and uh, and then we talked through the 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 legendary evening at St Andrews. Uh, I, I was there that night as well and was on the coach that got bombarded with bricks by the by the Leeds fans coming out of Birmingham. All these mem as I wrote about in the club program last, last year. Uh, but these were all things and the Charlton chat certainly. Uh, a benchmark in sports broadcasting of its time, uh, which has proved to be perhaps a foundation stone for what's what's followed. Yeah, certainly. I, I've I've always sort of linked Charlton Live as as being almost like a, a child from the Charlton Chat days. Um, but yeah, look, we've actually run out of time, which is a shame because uh, I, I really enjoyed that, Clive. That was really fascinating. We, we, we will have to get you back on because I feel like there's a lot more to talk about in terms of the Charlton Chat days. We'll have to get Suthers alongside you as well, and you can tell us all those. Uh, that those great stories uh, from your broadcasting days. But yeah, Clive, that was brilliant. Thank you so much for, for joining us on, on Charlton Live. And uh, I'll see you Thanks in the next time game. Cheers. Cheers. Absolutely brilliant. There we go. That's Clive Richardson, who was uh, this week's uh, guest fan. We are literally into the last minute. So, uh, Tom, very quickly, Villa 21s on Tuesday. 
Um, Mickey has been to the final twice, as he said. Um, it is a competition that means something to him. Uh, it's a competition that doesn't mean a great deal to our fans, unfortunately, as the attendances suggest. But yeah, looking forward to that one. Even I'm not going to be there, sadly. So, uh, no, not not interested in the slightest. Um, I mean, if we got to Wembley, cool, nice day out. But um, no, not at all. I think give some some players who haven't had much opportunity some some time. Likes of people like Chen Campbell, who Croy Anderson, if he's if he's fit, people who've perhaps been a bit unlucky to to not get more minutes, um, and then crack on, get back on the training ground, give some players some rest, good couple of weeks prep into into Reading. I think that's very much the focus. So uh, no, can't say I'll be paying much attention, sadly, but that's the the nature of that competition. Mm, excellent. Normally I would be there. I, I just have you can't call it babysitting duties when it's your own kid, but I have to I have to look them up. Uh, unfortunately, so I look look after my kids. So uh, I won't be there on Tuesday, but I, w- I will hopefully watch on the stream. Look, uh, we've run out of time. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed today's show. It was it was an entertaining game yesterday, uh, even if uh, you know we didn't quite get the result that we wanted overall. But yeah, a uh, good comeback, uh, a good point. Hopefully we can we can build on that when we come back off the. Uh, international uh, break. Uh, massive thanks to everyone who's joined us in the live chat today or listened via the podcast afterwards. Don't forget to hit subscribe uh, wherever you follow us, whether that be on uh, YouTube or on your podcast app or on both. Uh, hopefully, massive thanks to Clive, who was an excellent guest, and we will be getting back on the show because that was really interesting. Um, especially for, I find, as a, as a slightly younger fan, listening back to those shows from just before I was supporting the club, I, I learned a lot. So yeah, I definitely recommend go and check out those Charlton Chat shows as well. Uh, if you get a chance. A uh, big thank you, as always, to Tom and Joe. Always an absolute pleasure to have you on the pod. Cheers, lads. Yeah, cheers, lads. Yeah, good to see you've bothered to come back to the country now, Tom, so we can uh, we can use your services again. I'm glad you had a good honeymoon. Uh, right, I'm Louis Mendez. Thanks for listening to Charlton Live, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, a bedroom and bathroom installation. We will have a week off now for the international break, but we'll be back a week on Thursday uh, as we'll gear up for the return to action uh, against Reading. We shall see you then. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.